long time since we've done one of these. Uh, international break always feels like it's weeks on end, even though it's really not that long. And I guess we have to start by something which at the time was really rather exciting. So we've got to reconjure up that excitement of two weeks ago when a young Croatian, Belgian, Kosovan, Serbian, Turkish, English national erupted onto the world football stage. He's a proud Englishman, isn't he? So the briefings go, which is interesting since he's been in the country about two years. So, two weeks ago, United at Sunderland, not the greatest performance. And, and I should say first, I am across the Atlantic. I decided to take an international break of my own. It is the city that never sleeps, and it's the city full of trucks. Yeah, absolutely. So, you say it wasn't a great performance, and it, and it certainly wasn't in the first half. Although, actually, there were 20 minutes at the beginning and the second half where it looked like actual Manchester United were playing again. Long forgotten, but, but nice to see. It is that old cliche, because United were terrible in the first half and much better after the break, much much better. It was just the inability of United to keep the ball or create any real chances in the first half that looks like the United of much of this season didn't it? But after the break completely different although it did take a couple of very special moments to win that game. It did and I have been very excited about Adnan since the Community Shield. I mean we all knew he obviously won the best under 21s player last season but been a while since one of those has come through and been ready for the first team so the excitement really built at the beginning of this season seeing him play against senior pros and looking completely unafraid and looking as if his apparent physical stature actually does not affect his ability to play with players three times his size because he's so incredibly well balanced well yeah that's it I mean I think I said earlier in the on the podcast earlier in the season he wasn't quite ready clearly I was wrong uh, he, he it's impossible to get the ball off him his close control is is so good and his balance is, uh, is fantastic and he doesn't seem to be scared of anything and uh, that's obviously a bonus and uh, a fantastic first touch his ability to run at people off either foot is a really clear skill that's why everyone's so excited about him and apparently he can finish a little bit too yeah which that I think he seems to be adding to his game the second goal was obviously like a, a wonder strike but in a way I kind of prefer the first in the way that David Moyes preferred Danny Welbeck's first goal against Swansea to his second the first just showed such composure really really calm didn't try and blast it didn't try and do anything too clever just took it on the side of his foot yeah very 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 neat finish let's not get this wrong the second's a better goal technically that was superb uh, very very difficult to do and uh, you know didn't think twice about it did he Look, he scored one goal in the reserves all last season, so uh, him scoring goals is a is a huge bonus. It'll be a factor of him getting into the right positions. Clearly, he's technically good enough to put those away, and uh, you know maybe he'll be doing it at Euro 2016 for England or something, or Kosovo or Belgium or yeah, an interesting one this one. I mean, it seems just from the behind the scenes noise that uh, he would like to play for Kosovo, which of course is never going to happen because while they're not recognised by the UN. Uh, this will not be an independent country under FIFA and they're never going to be recognised by the UN because of Russia's particular stance on this one. So uh, he is never going to play for Kosovo in a full international. So he can uh, he can pick from a, a whole bunch of other countries, but as it stands, he has to wait till 2018 to play for England. So let's, let's, uh, it's probably not likely to happen either. I mean, it was ridiculously embarrassing that response it was kind of upsetting in a way because it's like if only international break hadn't happened just after the Sunderland game then none of that would have been on the docket because really we should all just be talking about what a stunning performance that was it's obviously only one game the the flip side of that is this is the game that I've thought was possible since I first began raving about him after the charity shield and the, the testimonial and then when he came on against Crystal Palace and he just looks 
totally ready for the first team. And I think it is absolutely fair to get ridiculously overexcited about a player of that quality because why why not you know this is not to put pressure on him he should not have to be man united savior and you know there there is something slightly consternating that none of the senior pros seem to be uh, the ones stepping up to the plate as it were to save david moises bacon but actually i was really reassured by the, the team performance as a whole after that halftime break because you think that you know they just had a very different attitude after halftime and and that's probably quite promising in terms of their relationship with the manager you can imagine him just sort of saying you're all letting yourselves down here you're all better than this is this how you think you play you know all that kind of malarkey uh, and then they, they came out and looked good yes and it's been a while since that happened hasn't it honestly and but uh, it was a great response i thought from united that did play some good football after the break uh, were completely in control of the game I and mean, yes it took two very special goals to actually win it for united but there are enough match winners in there and they just haven't been doing it very often and uh, yes you know this 18 year old kid shouldn't be united savior but if he is well all great of course uh, he still hasn't signed a contract so every week he does that he's adding an extra few zeros onto his potential salary and uh, increasing the interest from uh, those abroad that would like to have him, it seems. Yep, so uh, we have had questions plenty about Adnan's contract. At Red Devil 1295 says, Have we signed Adnan yet? We haven't. Nope. Um, what, what's the latest with the contract, Ted, as far as you know? Everything that's in the press, I mean, it, it, it's still under negotiation and uh, it was delayed by the changing manager over the summer. Mind you, an interesting uh, quote from Marassa, the, the director at Juve, who said, uh, you'd have to ask the United's directors why they haven't signed him up already, which is very true, you know. Why do they leave this to the last moment? They did the same with uh, Paul Pogba, of course, and paid the price for that one, for not signing him up much earlier, and they haven't uh, done the same thing with Genesai. We shouldn't be talking about a 18-year-old kid into the last eight months of his contract, should we? No, uh, Inuzi's a such a different situation from Pogba, though, because, you know, the relationship with the club seems completely different. I think it's really interesting that he played, I think, what, he played half against West Brom, and then he played in the reserves in between the West Brom and the Sunderland game. And he was absolutely brilliant in the reserves. He looked right at it, scored an amazing goal, actually. And you just think, well, that's wonderful to see that. That's a a real difference from Pogba, who, by all accounts, just completely gave up playing for the reserves when he wasn't getting in the first team at United and felt he should be. He let his head drop completely in the reserves. Yanuzi not doing that at all, really, really going for it. So... That's, uh, it's it's good, it's really good to see and it's promising Yeah, it's very promising, a totally brilliant goal he scored for the reserves, cut inside and smashed it into the corner with his left peg So, um, Of course, uh, he's not the only player out of contract at United this summer, there's quite a few as, uh, as was uh, published by the Manchester Evening News, it's quite interesting uh, we know Michael Carrick and Rio Ferdinand of course are out of contract and then uh, Nemanja Vidic as well and a ton in 2015 so United have got a bit of work to do if they want to sign up some of these uh, players to long-term deals and of course that costs a little bit of money which is uh, probably why they're allowing some of these contracts to run down because um, the wage inflation at Old Trafford has been running into double figures for some time now. Yeah and it is, it's problematic isn't it? I, I mean it's going to be really interesting to see because obviously Moyes is going to want 
different things than Ferguson would have wanted and and no, Nanny of course signed up to a whopping new contract so he's he's around he signed up for another five years so who are the players that are out of contract this summer um, uh, next summer sorry well so t- 2014 is, is Ferdinand and Vidic and Carrick and Fabio and Evra um, as well as Yanizai and then in 2015 we've got Valencia and Wayne Rooney no, no sign that he's signing a new contract soon. And Anderson, uh, and I think that might be about it. Oh, and Darren Fletcher, although um, I don't, sh- not sure if he counts really. And no. Tom Cleverley. Yeah, right. I mean, that's it's huge, isn't it? And Vidic and Ferdinand's contracts running out this summer. You would probably speculate that Vidic will get a new contract, and Rio won't, unless something changes pretty dramatically over the next couple of months. Well, yeah, certainly not based on uh, merit right now. Yeah, for sure. The contract situation means that United's short-term future is in pretty substantial flux. And, you know, there were further worrying signs in, in the first half of that Sunderland game. And then, actually, Moyes kind of handed away momentum when we'd got to 2-1 up. He took off, I can't remember the exact substitution, but it very much took the wind out of United's sails in order to try and shore things up. Which, you know, it might have been the right thing to do. Certainly a lot of people were saying, oh, how do you take off Yanazai when he's... I'm going for a bunch of different pronunciations of Yanazi just to hit the right one by keeping on trying. But he, he took Yanazi off and everyone was going, oh, he should have let him stay on and try and get his hat-trick. But, you know, young players, you really do have to look after their physical development. And it's that sports science argument, isn't it, that says, actually, you should be taking them off after about 65 minutes, whatever the conditions of the match are for their sort of long-term well-being. So I think that's a reasonable, a reasonable substitution. I thought taking Nani off of Valencia was pretty backwards, actually, at that point in that game. Yes, well, it was the, it was the two wide players that he changed there. I guess just to you know give United a little extra protection, and then and then the late change and Smalling wasn't it for Rafael? I think it like into the last few minutes. So yes, uh, I mean, yeah, my impression of David Moyes' substitutions has been reasonably positive this season. I think he he is prepared to make them sort of yeah, in pretty active substitutions in the way that Ferguson didn't seem to be for some of his latter years. So. He he will make an early change if he thinks it will make a difference. This wasn't that early. It was sort of 15 minutes ago in the game. And uh, I think it's perfectly fair with a uh, young player. And maybe his uh, legs were running out at that time. And, and uh, Valencia's traditionally been very good as a, as a defensive player, hasn't he? And we know that Welbeck works hard. Although, of course, Valencia's been at fault for quite a few goals this season, which is unusual for him, I have to say. It is, but it's getting more and more usual for him. And I have to say, I'm just getting more and more worried about Valencia because this has been going on for such a long time now that it's stopping looking like a dip in form and looking more like a sort of fundamental lapse in confidence. That's This has definitely become a full-on Torres at this point, hasn't it? Uh, the odd glimpse of, of the, the previous form, such as we saw in the Leverkusen game. But Torres has been doing that all the way through as well. Just, you know, the, the odd Torres is back game. And I think Moyes must be genuinely concerned about Valencia, I would have thought. But apparently another really good game for Ecuador. So I guess we should talk about the international break. While you've been jet-setting around the globe, have you uh, had a chance to watch England's Brave Lions in action? I did, yes. I managed to catch both of those England games. Again, a performance of uh, two halves from England in the uh, the first match against Montenegro. Um, yeah. 
looking pretty yeah, pretty poor in the first half, I think. Yeah, nil-nil at half-time and then banged in all those goals after half-time. And then uh, yeah, you have to say a very good performance against Poland. They actually passed the ball well. They looked dangerous going forward. They created a lot of chances. Of course, Poland looked extremely dangerous on the break too. And um, if Lewandowski had been in better goal-scoring form on the day, it might have been a very different result. But we've criticised Roy before. The uh, Euro 2012 performances were pretty pretty dreadful uh, England played a lot of long ball football but over time I think this is an England side that is progressing you know and he said that and I think it's a fair comment from him he, uh, they have uh, played better through this qualifying tournament and, and in the end they've qualified very well um, you know the points total doesn't lie there and they've hardly conceded any goals I don't think they're going to go anywhere in Brazil which is not a particularly good side but they have grown as a unit yeah absolutely and actually I was thinking about it it's quite nice that a bunch of 4-4-2 clodhoppers relying on set pieces and crosses into the box have turned into a dynamic 4-3-3 unit you know who with excellent ball retention gives us all hope for Manchester United's long-term future under David Moyes he's being very smart Moyes you know he's clearly got a game plan which is he wants to use Welbeck on the left it's not going to bring the best out of Welbeck but he does such a good job there doesn't he and he's got really playing very deep you know linking midfield and attack maybe the uh, age of Lampard and Gerrard is actually helping here because they're being a lot more disciplined you know especially Gerard, who uh, that's always been a problem of his, you know, he thinks he's uh, he's playing every position on the pitch. Now he's playing in a lot more disciplined fashion, and and in storage he's got a, a, a potential threat. He does blow hot and cold, but um, you know he can score goals. And then he's just lucked out on Andros Townsend being in the form of his life. I think in the last month or so. Yeah, uh, and it was quite fun to watch Andros Townsend. I thought it was it was a, a really nice performance from him. This will be mocked widely by people who believe Michael. Carrick to be the incarnate of the anti-football gods. I don't know, there's a bunch of people that hate Michael Carrick and they seem crazy to me. But Michael Carrick made a huge difference to England. He played in the second half against Montenegro. Oh, look, now England keep the ball better. Oh, well, isn't that amazing? And then, of course, he played for the first two-thirds of the game against Poland, and that was the bit when England were ticking along nicely. So it's like, yeah, put Michael Carrick alongside Gerard or Lampard, and you are in a much happier position. I think England have got a huge problem at centre-half, funnily enough, having had pretty good centre-halves over the years, but that is not a, a world-class pairing by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, no, I think I think uh, Cahill and Jagielka will, will struggle against any top sides. I mean, what Hodgson really needs is for, for Smalling and Jones to get some game time this season, you know, and, and then that might be a legitimate pairing come the World Cup because they're, they're both, you know, naturally a lot more talented, you know, they're, they're players who could play for a top club, Jagley Elka and uh, Cahill are not, but um, they've, they're the... <laughs> That's a massive dig at Chelsea there, Ed. Yeah, well, you know, hey, unintentional. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. Simply, I, I, just not that good, right? And uh, I think they will be found out against the top sides. Uh, of course, Germany visit uh, Wembley for a friendly uh, in November. That, that ought to test that one, hadn't it? They're a very good side at the moment. Could Smalling and Jones make it for England? Certainly could. They certainly could, but they've got to play for United first and and that's not really happening at the moment. Um, Elsewhere in the England side, I mean, there are some problems. Smalling had a terrible game at right back against Poland. Uh, It's not his position and he's barely played this season, so I think that's pretty understandable. But uh, that's a problem for England if Walker is not fit. I mean, he probably will be, but Johnson is repeatedly injured, so they've got to work that one out. And at left back, they've got two fine choices. I mean, Baines is is showing why Moyes was desperate to sign him, isn't he? 
Yeah, and Manchester United's Leighton Baines uh, had another good game in an England shirt. It's just a matter of time, that one. He's coming. Uh, I don't think he'll come in January. I think he'll come in the summer. But you can see why Moyes wants him, because he just loves the cross, doesn't he? And that, that's it, Leighton Baines is really good at crossing. And David Moyes is a devout worshipper at the altar of crossing. So that's clearly what it's about isn't it very very nice play on words there so, so there are plenty of other uh, United players in international action quite a few will be going to the World Cup I mean there could be as many as six uh, United players going with the England squad in fact I think I think Carrick and Rooney and Welbeck and Smalling and Jones will definitely go and uh, potentially cleverly too. Hernandez uh, was saved by USA, 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 who scored twice in the last two minutes. Uh, <laughs> fantastic piece of commentary from the Mexican commentator. I don't know whether you've had a chance to see this on the internet, no. but uh, praising America. God bless America, he says. <laughs> <laughs> Traditional rivals, but the uh, Yanks saved Mexico's baking there. Uh, Panama knocked out, and uh, Mexico now have a playoff uh, to face. Um, elsewhere, as you mentioned, Antonio Valencia uh, will be going to the World Cup with Ecuador. Fine, fine performance from them, from uh, not, not necessarily one of South America's superpowers. There is uh, France into the playoffs, so Patrice Evra may go to another World Cup. Uh, you know, him and World Cups is a long story, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, yeah, a little bit difficult. Robin van Persie broke the Dutch national scoring record in, in helping Holland qualify for the World Cup. Um, and Nani scored for Portugal very important goal for Portugal and Portugal into the playoffs too little word about Robin uh, ran over to hug Patrick Clivert rubbing it in just a little bit there Robin um, but no Clivert looked happy enough um, and interesting to see that as soon as he goes back to Holland playing in a 4-3-2-1 Robin is uh, loving it and starts banging goals in again so hopefully this will trigger a return to form and touch and, and he'll start uh, a goal explosion uh, for United again in a way it's kind of a promising sign but I can't deny that part of me is just slightly worried to see that Robin goes away and scores a ton of goals and if he doesn't come back and start scoring then then I'm definitely going to be concerned that this is actually a systematic problem or something in the relationship with the coach or something you know because he just not hasn't looked himself at United for a bit he, he hasn't but I, I'm not sure if we know all the backstory there I wonder whether he's not been completely fit either but um, who knows there are a couple of other um, uh, international uh, things of note uh, Fellaini did not play for Belgium because he was suspended surprise surprise it's a regular occurrence with him and Belgium drew one all with Wales that's not a reflection of how good Belgium are they're a much better side than that and I think they're, they're, they're going to be dark horses in Brazil they're certainly not going you, to win it but you can't say that Ed I have had no less than three conversations with people that don't know that much about football saying that Belgium are dark horses for the right. World Cup it's the most they're, they're not dark horses they're good like one <laughs> they're, of, they're just good. one of the best yeah, yeah, yeah they're no. just one of the okay. best teams in the world fair, fair enough good correction there yes they are actually just a good side yeah so um, Japan lost 1-0 to Belarus. Uh, they are qualified for the World Cup, but Shinji Kagawa complained afterwards that his lack of game time uh, for his club is affecting his fitness and his performances for Japan. Worrying if he suddenly realised that he really does need some game time. Uh, not good at all. Um, and where else are we? There was a... Uh, 12-year-old boy playing for Wales who uh, won his granddad £150,000. No, I think he was 16, a Liverpool reserve. He was 16, he came on for Wales to keep him out of England's clutches, apparently. Uh, and uh, very nice that his uh, granddad had made a bet when he was one and uh, bought himself an re- early retirement. 
Yeah, that's good, that, isn't it? I, I, I was thinking about that bet. So he was three years old at the time. He bet 50 quid at two and a half thousand to one for him. And I was thinking about those odds. And it's obviously not the case that one in 2,501 Welsh children plays for the Welsh national side. But actually, if you start narrowing it down and like if there's a lot of football in the family and if he knows he's going to be local to a club that could grow him, I think maybe that's actually not a terrible bet. Uh, at two and a half thousand to one um, but 50 quid seems like a, a pretty high amount to stake on that but then obviously yeah if it comes in that's uh, that's great and the fact that it's coming when he's 16 I bet he could have got really really good odds in saying you're going to play for Wales before he turns 18 that would have been ridiculous uh, talking of young international players and Manchester United players in action the England under 21s destroyed Lithuania and uh, also sort of slightly tried to destroy each other as everyone's favourite tearaway ex-red uh, Ravel Morrison continued his club form and I think he's going to go to the World Cup that's what I, I think is going to happen as long as he doesn't explode between now and then but he got into a scrap with our very own current red uh, although I'm pretty sure Ravel's yeah Ravel's had more minutes in the first team right than uh, than Wilf uh, well qu- well quite yeah yes uh, they're brilliant uh, fighting between Ravel Morrison and Wilfred Zahar apparently they've kissed and made up now good everyone's like having a go at Ravel and I kind of felt a bit like he's the kid in school that normally gets into trouble so when someone else starts on him he's the one that ends up in trouble but it kind of looked like Wilf came gave him loads of like lip and so Ravel kind of shoved him off caught him in the face and Wilf absolutely flipped out like a ninja and uh, went for Ravel. Handbags. Handbags, wasn't it? So, so it's uh, it's interesting that the, uh, the the word from the dressing room afterwards was that the frustration was that uh, Morrison just doesn't release the ball early enough, which of course is true. He doesn't, you know, he he's so good on the ball that he he does like to keep it a little bit longer. <laughs> Although that is a criticism that you can level at Wilfred Zaha too, very yeah. much. You can level that one at him. Um, but but you know, when you can dance around four players and score a goal like he did against Tottenham, then that's all right, isn't it? And and I think you're right. I think that's why he may well go to the World Cup. You know, you wouldn't pick him right now, but if he continues in this vein of form um, he's the kind of talented player that England don't have very many of and and why wouldn't you as a wild card well I mean there is a bunch of good reasons why you might not because of potential problems hey look look, what trouble is there you know so it's it's Rio there's a bunch of favelas uh, plenty of weapons a bit of a drug problem and a bunch of beaches with naked women on it what trouble (laughs) could Morrison get into I mean, I remain delighted to see him carry on his career and I'm afraid Ravel Watch is definitely going to be a regular feature on this show uh, when he does interesting, noteworthy things. Lots of talk about whether we've got a buy-back clause on him. Uh, I think that the answer to that is no, isn't yes. it? That seems to be the gist, although Sam Allardyce doesn't seem to know that, which is a bit... That was a slightly odd conversation, a press conference from Allardyce where he said, yes, he didn't know. I mean, maybe he really isn't involved in the contract situation at all, but uh, it seems that Matt Morrison does have a buyout clause but not a buyback clause but it is at 19 million and I think there's probably enough history there to suggest that United will not be trying to approach him anytime soon even if Allardyce you know made that suggestion I don't think so no absolutely so the international break is over rejoice no more talking about our favourite players playing for teams other than the team we like to see them play for I'm glad that England have got to the World Cup very glad as has been said many times on the podcast not a massively patriotic person but nice to be in a country whose team's in the World Cup and also uh, just brilliant because Danny Welbeck's going to Rio he's going to teach those Brazilians samba football it's happening (laughs) 
He was slated by a lot of England fans uh, after the game against Poland because he missed a couple of chances and and yeah, he definitely should have finished better. But there was a reason why Welbeck stayed on when he took off Sturridge, who was probably more of a goal threat, and it was because Welbeck was putting in an absolute mega shift all around the park, no? Yeah, which is what he does, you know, he's... He's. Uh, you can see why many managers do like him. I mean, not only is he technically very gifted, and uh, so he's comfortable on the ball and in position, um, but he, you know, he's very disciplined tactically as well, and uh, that's that's why he's picked out on that left hand side. And he can he can cause trouble. Uh, he's not going to beat a man on the outside to put a cross in, of course, but that's not really the job he's been asked to do. Uh, and his finishing is not the hottest in town, is it? Which is a real shame because uh, if he could only add that to his game, then he would be a, a you know a genuine. Form of real class but he's a, he's a bit short of that because he can't score goals well he can sometimes his finishing is occasionally absolutely excellent so it's it's definitely in him uh, it's just not in him all the time yes very very occasionally absolutely excellent so anyway shall we move on from the international break we have Southampton at the weekend and uh, at Old Trafford but this is going to be a tough game because Southampton they've won four on the bounce they went to Anfield and won uh, they had a you know, half decent win in the Carling Cup against Bristol City beat Crystal Palace and beat Swansea as well you know they are playing good football at the moment Southampton yeah absolutely um, now not to be messed with I think it's kind of interesting because when Nigel Adkins got sacked last season it did seem extremely harsh um, because he'd they were playing okay and he'd got them promoted and all that kind of stuff and lots of people going oh typical sacking a young English manager to bring in a fancy foreigner but Pochettino has done a pretty transformational job on Southampton and it does look like they are building to just become an established Premier League club again well I think so I mean they've they've spent a lot of money of course you know and uh, the Libher Foundation has has been piling money into Southampton but they're getting the rewards and and yes it seemed like a really harsh sacking of Adkins at the time it seems to have worked you know I mean look sure we're seven games into the season so it's it's hard to say that they'll remain in the sort of top half of the table but I, you know, I don't think there's any chance Southampton are getting relegated this season they're in fourth place at the moment I don't think they'll make the Champions League but um, you know they're doing really well they will cause United trouble I think because um, they've got uh, you know some very good attacking players uh, they obviously got a goal scorer in Lambert they, uh, they, they've they been solid at the back too and uh, I think they'll look to exploit some of United's weaknesses yeah absolutely because they're also pretty good in midfield and United's midfield could find it problematic what is going on with Fellaini and is he injured does he need surgery when does he have the surgery all that stuff I've seen the word Fellaini and surgery appear a lot of times and not really looked into it do you know what the deal is yeah that, that's a Marin Fellaini tackle isn't it so. <laughs> No, uh, so he's he's got a he's got a, a small injury to his wrist, uh, which may need a, a minor operation. But it looks like he's going to delay it for a while, maybe till the ne- next international break or beyond to that. Um, so he'll be playing with some kind of protective cast on his wrist, and, and he is available, uh, as far as I understand. He could do a lot of damage with a protective cast on his wrist. If ever there's a player in the in Man United squad who should not be allowed to play with protective gear on, it's probably Fellaini. They want to make that really soft otherwise there's a few players going going down as the the flailing arm catches them yeah well it's normally it's, it's normally uh, Fellaini's elbows that cause the damage but yeah it's the full arm now that's going to take <laughs> someone out so uh, yes <laughs> bit of a problem there maybe they'll put some cotton wool around it or something 
So there is loads of questions. There are loads of questions about what how United are going to address the challenges ahead, the immediate challenge of Southampton and then Sociedad in a week. So far, before European games, Moyes has gone completely tombolatastic, even more extreme than Fergie, just like bung seven players in the side so that the first team are rested for Europe. Like, like a football manager where you've already won the league and you've got the Champions League final to look forward to, so you just play all your reserves. Basically, that's what he's done. Slight exaggeration, but you know. I wonder whether the fact there's been an international break and the fact that it hasn't exactly worked out nicely in the league, although it has done okay for him in the Champions League, means that he'll rotate slightly less and play a bit more of a full-strength side. And what does that even mean? I mean, we've got to a point where it's been talked about Young going out on loan in January, Zaha obviously going in January, uh, Kagawa going in January, um, Fabio wants to leave, Chicharito started to talk about wanting to leave. The squad is not doing great uh, in terms of keeping all the plates spinning at once is it no and it, it is causing problems and uh, because he doesn't have the same level of respect he's uh, he's not able to get away with it in the same fashion you know i wouldn't say it's a dressing room full of you know celebrities and egos at old trafford by any means but it's a problem because there's a lot of players that are very good players that could play elsewhere that aren't playing you know and it's uh, it's just a fact so all those players you mentioned uh, it's uh, it's troubling for them except for young who's uh, who's just not in the team because he's just not very good and uh, and not very good did I say that he's not very good <laughs> Jay on the blog wrote a piece praising him yeah but um, I, you know I, I'm uh, I'm a, a, you know it's a broad church on rant will uh, allow many opinions even crazy ones like that uh, I've happened to listen to an old episode of the Rantcast during the international break and on it you say Ashley Young could he has got some good qualities and could become a useful member of United squad I, I've, I've got that you, you recorded well, that when when uh, yeah. 1987 rent cast one yeah 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 so um i mean back to back to the point you're making about rotation which is exactly the point that uh the next manager miso luchescu made wasn't it before united went out there he said that Moyes was still learning his squad and and therefore rotated too much and it was picked up as a major criticism but it was quite pointed wasn't it uh, he has made a lot of changes unfortunately one of those changes that uh uh, appears to be uh, quite frequent is his butner at left back and that causes all kinds of problems I mean Southampton are surely too good to rest everyone the, the trouble for Moyes of course is uh, yes the European game during the week and, and a whole bunch of players you know have done an awful lot of travelling uh, because almost everybody's been in some kind of international action yeah absolutely I think if Raphael's fit he's pretty nailed on to play uh, he didn't play did he in the break obviously to hair or play that's that's there's no doubt about that i have reached a point where i just have no idea what he's going to do with central defense he's got so many options he's completely obsessed with Vidic and ferdinand <laughs> um, although maybe rio's played himself out of that little story for the time being so i don't think it's likely that we're going to see evans and jones or smalling and evans or you know any of those combinations uh, he's also doing the thing of playing Smalling and Jones at right back in order to get them game time which seems just so counterproductive and odd but anyway it, it's it, I get why it happens Fergie did it a lot it's just a, it, it is a proper selection dilemma isn't it centre half well it is um, I mean what it is is, is uh, not so much a dilemma I think it's a, a phased introduction of Smalling and Jones and I guess you know Evans is in the mix isn't he I mean in fact he's first he's first reserve really um into those spaces that Vidic and Ferdinand have had for so long. I mean, it has to be, right? Vidic is out of contract. He's much slower than he used to be. There's doubts about whether he has a long-term future at 
the club. Rio Fernand is going to retire or be retired next summer. No, almost certainly. So these guys have to play. Otherwise, what is the point? If you buy young players and just never play them, they'll never develop. Moyes is, is struggling with this one because he's... Uh, He's not quite got the balance right of phasing these players into the positions. I'm sure he will. He'll get there in the end. And uh, I couldn't tell you who would play in a a match against Sociedad next week. It's an important game, of course. You know, United win. They've almost qualified, which is a massive, massive bonus for Moyes. I think the the game against Southampton is really vitally important too, isn't it? Because we're really struggling still. We came, came from behind to beat Sunderland, which is not something you should even have to say. And we didn't even mention the defending for the Sunderland goal, which was just beyond ludicrous. Sunderland could definitely have nicked an equaliser late on in that game too. They had a couple of really kind of decent half chances which it wouldn't have been totally ridiculous to suspect that they did it. So we really, really need a good performance in the league and we vitally need a good result because he can't keep dropping points in the run up to Christmas and hope he's going to get it all right in the second half of the season because at some point the, the teams around us will go on runs as well and you know, we're ninth, right? So there's a lot of work to be done. So that, that's Hampton game is crucial. Yeah, and it's the points difference as well. I mean, you know, six points to the top right now, you wouldn't want that to be nine, would you? And, and it, okay, so it's so early in the season, but that's not good. It's a, it's a big gap and uh, it puts uh, United and Moyes under a, a ton of pressure. And because I think people overreact. People start saying that United might struggle for a Champions League place. I don't think we're anywhere near thinking about that just yet. This is uh, a squad that won the league by some distance. They're definitely good enough to make it into the Champions League in my pre-season prediction I said United would come third I think that's probably still a fair prediction for many many reasons of course you know the change in manager and backroom staff and uh, the lack of investment on the playing side don't really make United favourites for this Premier League title that's that's how they played today so as you say Southampton at home very very important uh, really big game as they all are but um, you know r- falling nine points behind would be uh, an awful lot of pressure on United at this stage yeah absolutely Rooney will probably play again he did well for England in both of those games uh, not brilliant in the first half against Montenegro but you know he scored and his headband fell off and he scored a header so he, he's pleased about that he said that helped him although it was a free header from six yards out so it helped him direct it or something like yeah he couldn't exactly miss could he Interesting, you know, we've been pretty critical of Rooney and, and fair enough because he's twice tried to get out of the club. He, he will probably end his career being the greatest goal scorer in England's history uh, and Manchester United's top goal scorer ever too. Oh, it's, it's, just, it's just so wrong. It's just wrong. Like knocking off Bobby Charlton, a man of, you know, some level of sporting integrity and genuine historical link to Manchester United. It's going to be blinking Wayne Rooney that has some kid well one day Adnan will knock him off that score sheet and it'll all be fine for both club and country (laughs) Um, but yeah that does look pretty likely to happen I I mean I would just love it if Rooney left and January now you know I know it's ridiculous it's stupid it's stupid it's self-defeating because United are better served in terms of the the performances on the pitch by him being around but if Rooney leaves all of a sudden the there are so many less dilemmas there's so much that's made to work you've got 
automatic this I, I just everything every time I think of like my ideal United 11 he's never in it you know and that's ridiculous because he's the as you say he's the best player at the club but you know he came out with this oh, we haven't even talked about this oh I'm sorry about this listeners if you're Rooney lovers just skip ahead five minutes because this will only make your blood boil as you feel I don't I underappreciate his value to United the comments that he came out with where he says oh uh, yeah I was unhappy because I was asked to play in midfield and so I left I, I wanted to leave uh, because I was being played out of position and, and my form dipped a bit because I was playing out of position so you stopped trying because you were asked to play out of a position position a few times you tweeted loving my new midfield role always involved in October last year it, it hardly ever happened and you're a professional footballer and I get that you've he's been frustrated over the years by he being used out of position and I actually think that's a particular that's a perfectly reasonable complaint to say oh we've got to buy better players and then we buy a better player and he throws all his toys out of the pram it, it was yeah, well, pathetic quite. it really it, it, it really was pathetic and, and you know I think you can separate these two arguments right you can say on the playing side United are better with Rooney there right because he still he still does offer an awful lot for United and he's, he's playing pretty well this season pretty pretty well you know I think there's a, a few levels up uh, he could go to um, off the pitch his baby's just disgraceful you know that, that whole piece in the week about not wanting to play in midfield anymore I made it about half a dozen times he played in midfield I mean this is from the, my own personal recollection I haven't, uh, haven't gone and actually checked that one out, but I think it was around about half a dozen times that he played in one or other midfield positions, either in central or, or wide. Uh, not a lot, basically, you know, and it was for the sake of the team because United were short in that position and, and Rooney could do a decent job there. But Moyes has caved into this and, and now all the power lies with Rooney, you know. He's sucked up to Rooney so much uh, that he can only play him up front, uh, and that does have an effect on the team. Um, if United want to play in a slightly different position or way, and of course now that Rooney's in in this position of power, he's able to hold the club to, to ransom over a new contract if if one is ever on the table. Yeah, and he's able to get away with stuff like saying all that stuff he said in the press if Fergie was still in charge and Rooney had gave, given those quotes to the press first of all he just wouldn't have done and secondly there'd be consequence but there are no consequences so what you have is the exact situation where this thing that we've has been an absolute mantra at United nobody's bigger than the club well nobody's bigger than the club except Wayne Rooney who is now mm. actually bigger than the club because he dictates where he plays when he plays there who he gets to play with you know all that stuff it's absolutely mm. Mm. unacceptable and th- it's the John Terrification of, of Old Trafford yeah. there you go captain leader legend it's it's yeah it's maddening and it should not be happening and I tell you yes he does add something to United on the pitch but he does not add enough to United on the pitch to justify this he's not Ronaldo mm. if it was Ronaldo doing this I would find it maddening mm. and infuriating but the argument would be well every game he scores a goal or creates a goal and Rooney has long patches of poor form and there's one coming he's not been brilliant this season he's had two really good games and the rest it's been fairly average mm. you know 
and and more bad is coming. Anyway, that's that's quite enough Rooney ranting. It's, yeah, hate on Rooney for the last five minutes. <laughs> Fair enough, He's, he deserves it sometimes. Anyway, shall we move on because uh, uh, we, we are coming towards the end of the show and, and we've got to talk about United against Real Sociedad uh, in the Champions League. Could be an interesting game. I, I, I like this side, but they're playing very badly in La Liga this season. So they've got some very, very good players. Uh, Prieto, uh, Prieto, the captain in midfield, is an excellent central midfielder. He's really good. He might or might not make the Spanish. I don't think he'll make the Spanish World Cup squad, but you know they have a ridiculous amount of talent in Spain in midfield, don't they? Uh, but he's a really good player, Prieto. They've got Carlos Vela, the old Arsenal striker. Antoine Griezmann's the standout player. Serafovic, the striker, scored an absolutely blinding goal in the Champions League qualifier against Leon. I don't know whether you saw that one, actually. Yeah, Griezmann scored a blinding goal, too, in that game. So they've got plenty of players that can cause United a lot of trouble. They're just not playing very well. I mean, they lost at Viacano, not a very good side. They lost at Beck Leverkusen. They got smashed by Barcelona, although that's, you know, maybe there's no shame there. But um, So they've got they've got some trouble at Sociedad, but, but I think they're good enough to cause United some problems at Old Trafford. I bow to you on La Liga because you watch lots of it. This is a bit stereotypy, but I try and watch La Liga all the time and just get really frustrated by the complete cultural acceptance of play acting. I mean, I'm not saying the Premier League is fine for that because it's not. It's really problematic. But at least people don't seem to think it's just completely fine and part of the game, you know. But yeah, anyway, um, sorry, that's, that's, that's all, that was all a bit Jack Wilshire England for the English, that wasn't it? <laughs> but I don't mean it like that at all. You never answered my question, by the way, Wilshire. Which was that? Well, I asked him, does he consider his uh, international colleague uh, Wilfred Zahar English? What wasn't born in England? What about Johnson yeah, Trot, um, Greg Grzedski, Lennox Lewis, um, um, Kevin Peterson? Yeah, I mean he he apologised to KP and Mo Farah um, and someone else I can't remember who, saying he had the greatest respect for them. I I feel a bit sorry for Jack Wilshire being asked to speak on matters of uh, national identity. I'm not sure he's fully capable of doing that, and he, we he's he's certainly not. Although, um, of course, um, Roy. Hudson is uh, much more erudite and got himself into trouble with uh, similar matters this week. We're not yeah, going to discuss just, that just, one. Um, going to leave any that. <laughs> little diversion there. Um, back to back to uh, Sociedad. I mean, interesting. They they changed managers over the summer. They promoted their assistant manager Arasate to to take over. He's very very young and inexperienced, and I think this is part of the problem with them. You know, they're they're a very fine Spanish side. Um, who you know qualified well for the Champions League in La Liga, and I know people think it's a it's not a competitive league, but it's, it's really not true. Um, there are some very good sides in La Liga. It's just that the finances of everyone except for Real Madrid and Barcelona are completely screwed because uh, they both keep all of the TV money, like ninety percent of it. Um, so you know this is this is a side that's not on the upside. United should beat them, but they've got plenty of players who can cause United damage. You can see how this will go, you know. United don't keep the ball very well in midfield. Everyone gets a bit nervous. Sociedad, very good on the break. Have a couple of extremely pacey players who can cause Ferdinand and Vidic all sorts of problems. It's just after the international break. There's a few tired players. He's not quite sure how to rotate between the Southampton game and the Sociedad game. There's plenty of, plenty of room for a scenario in which United lose this match. 
It's, it's, it's funny the extent to which my confidence in Manchester United has been completely destroyed. It's a good job I'm not a professional footballer because uh, I'd be hopeless at that, maintaining confidence under pressure because I'm just like, yeah, Southampton, they're quite good, aren't they? And Sociedad, well, not playing very well, but, you know, they're probably going to do a good job against us in midfield. And just like every game on the horizon, Sunderland away looked like a massive banana skin. This is getting ridiculous. We have definitely lost our aura. Hopefully it'll all just be fine. And can we just get in a couple of very quick Twitter predictions questions before we make predictions Ed okay go for it yeah okay right uh, I like this one this is from at Jack Hawkins 23 who says if you could have one player from the 90s brackets not Cantona fair enough to be playing for United now who would it be I want to add to that a caveat Ed uh, not Roy Keane either because it's so blatantly obvious that he's the right oh. answer to that question but why well can I have can I have Brian Robson <laughs> or are you going to just strip out all the good no, players no no you can have Brian Robson alright fair enough I, I, I should have taken out Brian Robson as well because yeah we clearly need Roy Keane and or Brian Robson the most. I think just a, a wild card though that that's not one that's completely obvious because I also think nineties Paul Scholes would uh, would definitely be on my list too. In fact, you know what, Ed, I'm going to change the question. So not Eric Cantona and not any midfielders. Who would you have from nineties United? Gary Bertels. No, he wasn't even in the nineties. <laughs> <clears throat> no, he wasn't. And not very good either. At this point, I think, I don't know, I, I was trying to think of one of the forwards. I think I might just have Ollie, but uh, that's just because I really, really like him. But then I'll just end up getting frustrated because Moyes would never play him, right? Mm. So, um, I mean, the players you'd want from United in the 90s are all midfielders. <laughs> and you've not yeah, allowed no, me to have any midfielders. So uh, maybe I'll take Mark no, Hughes. It, you know, you want that, that kind of spirit, don't you? And, uh, you know, United was such a... Through, through the 90s, you think about how many good sides United had. You know, the first... The first title winning side uh, was a good side the 94 side was a very good side 96 side all the the kids and of course the 99 side you know they'd all beat this side wouldn't they all of them they would I meant to get an interview with Daniel Harris uh, this week but we'll delay it till next week Uh, a fantastic new book called uh, The Promised Land which he was kind enough to send me a copy of a a blow by blow account of the 1999 season really enjoying it so far I I like Daniel's work he he does some uh, does some top stuff and I'm sure I haven't read it yet um, but I shall do when I'm back in the country and I think uh, I'm sure it's a top read um, at Eaton underscore Trey I just want to give him a little shout out because he asked us to have a chat about Ravel uh, just don't need to ask just going to do that anyway and at Danielle underscore Siakir says how do you think Moyes is going to approach the January transfer window sign players or work with the ones we have and I think it's much more likely that we're going to see outgoings than incomings in January yeah you're probably right I mean I think they will try and do some business but it's a different difficult time to do it and especially you know, trying to pull players from top clubs that aren't Champions League cup tied uh, is trouble so um, I think it's more likely to see a couple of loans outgoing and, and probably not much business incoming you know and uh, uh, you know maybe they'll make a bit of noise about that but in the end it won't happen at Awate91 says which under 23 year old Manchester United player would you most like to adopt he says he'd have Adnan so he could make him eligible for Eritrea as well he probably is he's an go... international man of mystery this <laughs> guy he can he can play for any country on the planet uh, there's that photo of him was from... he born in a, like an airport or something <laughs> 
that's what must be. He was born on a plane, just over over the Antarctic, so the, the, nobody knows who he's eligible for. There's that photo of him from the summer tour wearing aviators, where he looks like an international man of mystery. So maybe that's true. I think that I would choose Nick Powell because um, he seems like a nice young man, and uh, you know, keep him on the straight and narrow. Uh, uh, talking of uh, young Manchester United players, uh, as well as Adnan's spectacular explosion into the first team stage, it's worth saying that a lot of our young low knees are doing really well at the moment too. Jesse Lingard obviously having a very explosive start to his Birmingham City loan, which was uh, scheduled to be for one month, uh, trying to make that longer after he scored four goals in his opening game. That's the kind of player you want to keep, isn't it? Um, And he's kept it up. He's scored a couple more since then, I think. On loan at Doncaster Rovers, the mighty Federico Makeda is scoring goals. I think that's might just because he's at about his level and Nick Powell scored some absolute brilliant goals for Wigan uh, I think he scored their first ever goal in European competition and it was a cracker European goal yeah so yeah good good <laughs> it certainly was yeah he's he's done very well I mean he he really needs that game time Nick Powell and uh, he, he kind of wasted a season last year didn't he but I think it's it's great he's now playing um, a lot of football in the championship we really ought to move on though so um we need to do predictions. What do you think United will do in the week ahead? I mean, I've got no idea. I'm going to... But this is good, like... Okay. 2-1 win over Southampton and... Uh, uh, one... Two... I've got no idea, clearly. But I'm just making noises now instead of saying a number. Uh, a 3-2 win against Sociedad. There you go. Very good, yeah. So, um, I'm going to say United will draw one all with Southampton and beat Sociedad 3-0. Right. It'll be one of those games where it's quite tight until the end. Okay. I mean, spectacular. This always happens. You're like, all the way, everyone always accuses you of being really negative about United. And then you always predict us to win by miles. It's, it's really nice. I like it. I, I have got two predictions on the bounce, correct? Which I'm fairly confident has never happened before in the history of the rank cast. I predicted 1-1 against Shakhtar and 2-1 against Sunderland. Uh, a scrappy 2-1 at that. Yeah, I'm on a roll. So 2-1, 2-1. Yes. A week ahead. No, 2-1, 3-2. You are certainly on a roll. Uh, and, uh, well, let's hope it's a good week. It's another big week for United after the international break and uh, lots of players off to the World Cup. But uh, are they going to be winning any trophies with United first? I think, uh, you know, this week won't decide anything, but it's certainly going to make a big difference. If United would fall nine points behind the leaders in the Premier League, you might start thinking about there being not much chance of claiming the Premier League title this season, of course, of a way through the season. And, and of course, on the flip side beat Sociedad almost certainly qualified for the knockout stage of the Champions League yeah which would be fantastic it's been a pleasure talking to you again Ed after the international break always makes us hungry for United doesn't it and uh, yeah nice to get proper football back and a little stretch now with no internationals which is good yeah, I like I don't mind international football but I, d- I do resent the fact that it stops Manchester United happening because that's obviously better thank you very much for listening as always I haven't done this for a while but you can follow me and Ed on Twitter Ed is at United Rant I am at UTD Rank you can like United Rant on Facebook and you can also find loads more stuff at unitedrant.co.uk as a comments page for the Rantcast and also loads of articles from lots of different writers uh, which is always nice to see if you like the show it's 
incredibly helpful to us if you leave a review on iTunes because the way that iTunes metrics work, I mean, you can whiz up the charts so if like 10 people were to write a review between now and this week, that would be completely awesome. So thank you for that. UnitedRant.co.uk slash donate exists if you want to help out with uh, equipment and uh, bandwidth and all that sort of thing, not us living a lavish jet-setting lifestyle because only one of us does that. Yes, and uh, as you may be able to hear, the trucks have arrived. I- I'm not sure they're here to cart me away somewhere, but uh, New York has woken up and uh, and it is making noise. So, um, you know, while the beast arises, I think I, uh, I also bid you farewell for another week. We'll be back next week with uh, another show. And in the meantime, let's hope United pull off a couple of wins. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. See you next week.